We're sitting on the porch with Georgie T. Hearing tales of Tennessee. Today's guest on the Tales of Tennessee podcast is a man who is known by pretty much everyone in the UK country music scene. He's a multi-award winning musician who also wears a number of different hats, such as manager, agent, tour promoter, musical director. It's Luke Thomas. Welcome to the podcast, Luke. Afternoon. How are you doing? I'm good. All good. So can you give us a little bit of a Luke Thomas backstory? Like, what is your... You know, how did you get to where you are today and doing doing what you do? And we're going to go, obviously, further into what you do. Cool. I actually thought we were going to talk about my hats then when you said I wear different hats. Well, we <laughs> do. I'm sure we can fit that in somewhere <laughs> no. if you want. No, I'm joking. I don't want to talk about hats. Um, <laughs> yeah, so my background. So I, um, I started as a musician when I left school, uh, when I left high school. I already played a little bit because my parents are both um, musicians. My mum's a singer, my dad was a guitar player, and then they ended up theatre promoters. And when I left school, they had a show called Country Legends and um, a theatre show, and I just I joined that. I'm just playing rhythm guitar. They had a great lead guitar player, John Pettifer, and he taught me kind of – he didn't drink before, before we did shows where everyone else kind of went for a pint and some food. <laughs> And I was too young, so he, me, and him would sit on the on the stage after sound check, and he'd and he'd show me how to play all the licks that I wanted to learn, you know, like Brad Paisley riffs and Brent Mason riffs and stuff like that. And um, yeah, so that went on for a, a few years, and he left, and I went on to play lead guitar for a few years in that show, amongst other theatre shows, um, and then kind of did the theatre thing until. Really, until I met, oh, it pains me to say this, but I met Gary Quinn, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he uh, and I and I thought, oh, he's writing some, he's writing good music. Because before then, I'd not heard, I'd not heard any really good um, UK country music, mm. and Gary's stuff was his first album. So this was probably about seven or eight years ago. Um, and it, it was just full of great songs. And I saw him playing on, on this little hay bale stage in Wolverhampton. Uh, Wolfstock, it was. Jim Duncan's festival. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, so we got chatting. And he was like, oh, I've got some festivals booked in. I need a band. I was like, oh, I can help you with that. Um, so I got some musicians that I knew together. And that was kind of the start of of me putting bands together for people, really, I suppose. Just using people that I'd worked with and, um, you know, that I worked well with has kind of grown from then. About eight years ago, I started doing that. And and that was also the start of me being involved in... Well, I, I re- really, I don't think there was a UK country scene um, before then that I knew of anyway, or else, you know, I would have found it. But I just, there just wasn't. Uh, you know, all the festivals were were all covers bands, um all the country gigs were all covers gigs there wasn't any american artists touring over here really you might every now and then you might you might be able to get to a keith urban gig in london like one gig in london or something like that it was really 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 sporadic as as i'm sure you know but um for a musician it was just pretty bleak before that and anyway we 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 kind of me and gary were going around these they were like line dance festivals um, and playing original music. Some people liked it. Some people thought it was was ridiculous. because I they think could... the line dance crowd are a hard crowd to win, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Really, really tough. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's their thing. But uh, but anyway, we, we carried on, you know, and we, and we did that circuit for a, for a while. And we met bands that were kind of trying to do the same. Well, we're trying to do the same thing, like, um, Rain Town, uh, Laura Oaks was around then, um, and we do like songwriter shows, and you know Laura was a great was a great one to get on those. Um, I'm trying to think who else was around in those days. I think it was literally Rain Town, Laura, Gary, and maybe um, 
maybe a couple. I don't really think anyone that's still around now was around then, if you know mm. what I mean. People have come and gone and um but yeah, so that's where that's where I kind of started. And it's just So how would you how would you describe what you do at the moment if you were giving somebody like an elevator pitch of Luke Thomas? Like, what do you call yourself? Are you because obviously you are a musician, that's what you do, but you do so many other things as well. What would you, yeah. how would you describe yourself? You know what, it's, <laughs> I was actually dreading that question. I didn't know you were going to ask it, but uh, I, I get asked it a lot because uh, I'm a member of a golf club and I've only been there like a year. So I play golf with different people and it's like, oh, what do you do? Yeah. And uh, and it's a tough one to answer and I've still not figured it out. Um, I could go on, I could go on all day telling them what I do, but it just bore them to death, wouldn't it? But to kind of, like you say, to kind of um, give a brief synopsis of it, it's uh, it's tough. But I think the best way to describe it, I just say, most of the time, I just say I'm a musical director. Okay. Um, because that kind of sums up most of my job, you know, putting bands together for festivals like yours and mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> putting bands together for people who are coming over touring. Um, that's kind of most... Well, I don't, don't even know if it's most of my work, but I'm a musical director of, of the theatre show Nashville Live, which is probably most of my work. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's probably what I do most. And that's what I've what I've done most throughout my life. But like you say, I, I do uh, I do other stuff, promote promote shows through UK Country Live. Uh, we run uh, Country on the Clyde. Um, we co-own that with Buckle and Boots, as you know. Yeah. Um, and we put shows around the country, like Jade Hallowell and Kezia's, Kezia Gill's tour was all booked through us. Um, yeah, I think I think I get bored of doing just the same thing. And if I know how to do it, then I might as well do it rather than ask someone else to do it and pay them. That's how I see it. <laughs> Is that your, northern, <laughs> your northernness coming out? Well, I just think that um, I think anyone in the UK country music business would, would really have to work hard to make a living out of it. And um I was thinking That's... about that today, actually, um, yeah. and talking. And I was thinking actually about the music industry as a wider basis, and how I think it's so much more, um, or why it's so much more sort of political and and driven by ego and everything. The rest of the music business, whereas country music seems to be very sheltered from that. And I think, like you're saying, the majority of people who are working in country music are not doing it because that's how we make money. We're doing it because we love country music. And a lot of people are volunteers, like a lot of all these websites and things that are running um, the, you know, the collectives, the podcasts, the blogs, the everything. They are, they're all run by volunteers basically, aren't they? So I think Mm -hmm. you're, you're dead right there. I think, um, well, I think the main reason for that is that, UK country just isn't quite big enough yet um, to sustain all these different jobs, mm. you know, people being full time in these jobs. Um, you know, I think for for the for the volunteer media people who have, you know, who have the, the bloggers and the websites and stuff like that, they'd need like a, a big mainstream country music media channel, mm. wouldn't they? You know, and have an avenue to work through, which there isn't at the moment. Well, not like, you know. Nothing that rivals the BBC or whatever. Yeah. But um, yeah, and I, I think it's literally just a just a, a matter of time, you know, sticking with it. And and but that's why I do different things, you know. I'll I'll play guitar and I'll I'll put bands together and MD and uh, I'll do the theatre stuff and I'll also promote shows because that all combined makes me a living, you know. Yeah. So whereas, and I'd rather do that than then kind of do the odd gig and have a, a normal job that I didn't enjoy. So, you know, at least I'm so still which, working. Which part of it do you enjoy the most? Which gives you the best, the best buzz, the best. <laughs> Sometimes yeah, okay, I'm it. waking up in the morning. <laughs> this is what's happening today and I can't wait. Um, I really like doing the, doing stuff abroad, um, mm. going to see different places, um, with Nashville Live, we do we do quite we do we do ninety percent abroad, I'd say, rather than the UK, which is great because I've done the UK loads, and you know most of the place most of the places we go to are brand new. Mm. You know, we did Australia, we've done Switzerland, Germany, Sweden, you know, all these countries that you wouldn't necessarily just go to. Um, 
you know, we're we're going and we're having days off and we're we're, pretty, we're able to see see some some new stuff and travel. I think I think the traveling part of it for work it doesn't sound like work to most people. Yeah. Um, and when you look at it from the outside, it really doesn't look like work either. But but um, but yeah, it's t- it is it is hard work, but it's also really really enjoyable because yeah. of the different things that you get to see whilst getting paid. That's that's definitely my favorite. Although and my second favorite, and maybe actually I'm not even sure if it is my second favorite or my favorite, is when in the promotion world when you take a risk, but it pays off. Yeah, that's that's I think that's probably more rewarding. It's a bit like it's a bit like a drug, you know, when you're like once you get once you once you win, it's like gambling, you know, once you win. You're like, oh, I want to do that again. And you might We're lose. We're getting into but... the inner workings of Luke Thomas here. You're going to well, be yeah. re- revealing your secret addictions. <laughs> yeah, my, well, I'm addic- addicted to gambling, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even like gambling. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> um, so, obviously, you have been touring around the UK for however many years now. What are the biggest sort of changes that you've seen within the UK country scene since you became involved? Um, the biggest changes. Well, I mean everything because when I got involved, there was no, um, there was just no gigs whatsoever for mm. original country music. Um, you know there was no um festivals like uh you know yourself, Tennessee Fields, Buckle and Boots, mm. Middleport, Long Road, C to C wasn't even around. Um, and I think. And we just kind of put our own gigs on. Like me and Gary would just would just book a venue, and we'd sell tickets, you know, and put and get other artists on and, and pay them whatever, and you know, just really struggle to to just do gigs that we enjoyed doing. And then I, I honestly think the turning point was C to C, and I think I think anybody would tell you that who was around yeah, in those days um, that it just brought a new audience if you know what I mean and and also Nashville the TV show was kind of the same time and I don't like it but it brought loads of people into country music that just might just like dramas you know or yeah. whatever like Coronation Street fans with country music um but yeah I think that was a big I think that was a big turning point but it definitely was a big turning point because you know we we went to the first C to C and there's and it wasn't that successful it, it there was probably ten thousand there, maybe, and the pop-up stages weren't weren't a big thing. Um, but the second year was definitely the year I think where everyone was like, "Wow, you know." And also, all these UK country artists came out the woodwork to play the pop-ups. Mm. Um, you know, there's like five stages all day. You know, you get to play in front of a lot of people on some of them. Um, you know, there's twenty thousand people in the arena, and you're like, "Wow, this is actually." This is actually a thing, you know. But obviously, then we go through the problem of um, uh, 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 all those people who are going to see to see. Do they just want to listen to American country music? Well, that's a whole that's a whole different argument. And I think that was a struggle for a few years for a lot of artists trying to um, trying to live up to the um, the American style of playing country music. And I think, and it's not a bad thing because. You know, they do it. They do it well. Um, but I think a lot of the fans, like like, like I say, there's 20,000 fan, um, country fans at, at C2C, but but you there's never 20,000 people at um, anything else. Yeah. Even if yeah. those 20,000 people all went to a UK country gig, you know, another time in the year, it would still be a much bigger scene. But, it, but it, you know, that's just the way it is, I think. Um, I think UK country artists get such a, um, a tough rap because and, and purely because they're from the UK because so many of them are so talented mm-hmm. but because they're from the UK they just don't get the recognition that they deserve and I think that's must be really difficult for them to sort of overcome and get their head around and not get bogged down by because there are s- some really talented people singing yeah. UK country music um and there's some American artists who are possibly not as naturally talented mm. whatever but they have bigger 
presents, they get the record deals, they get all of those things because they're American. And I'm, I'm not saying that they're not good, but um, just the opportunities obviously come so much easier over there. And, and I know from a pr- promoter's point of view, trying to sell a lineup of UK artists only is a lot harder than trying to sell a mixed lineup of UK and US artists because mm-hmm. of the rarity value and it's it's difficult you know how do you because obviously musicians and artists need to have their income they need to be going around and gigging and spreading the word and what have you but then actually it's almost sort of a catch-22 because if you do too much of it then people don't want to necessarily come back and see you because they've seen you five times already Mm -hmm. um and then if it's a choice between coming to see you and going to see an American artist who's only over once a year or whatever, they're going to go with that one. Yep. Yeah. I think um, you've hit the nail on the head, really. Uh, I think artists at the moment, <clears throat> there's diff- obviously there's, there's kind of a tiered structure between, you know, certain artists can't go and put a gig on and sell tickets yeah. straight away. Certain artists can. Um, some artists will struggle to get on the, the, the festivals, Um some won't you know so but so i think my advice to anyone who's uh kind of just starting out or <clears throat> or um you know not quite where they want to be is to just try and get try and get on supports try and get on mm. on on festivals on the smaller stages and earlier on in the afternoon or whatever and that's how you you really just have to grind because like you say everyone everyone does want prefer go, to go and watch american country music whether they love UK country music or not, I think you if you had the choice, you'd go to an American gig because yeah. you're like, oh, they're all the way over from the States. And I think a lot of the time as well, they think it's, well, it, I guess it is more authentic. Um, it's subjective, obviously, like any music. But, um, but yeah, I think, you know, th- the way that we do it, obviously I work with Jade uh, a lot because she's my girlfriend and I don't have a choice. But... Uh, <laughs> But of course, uh, you would still do it even if you did have a choice. Oh, obviously, yeah. But I'd charge her more. <laughs> uh, um, the way I, the way I do it with her is because she's grown a, a, a following. Obviously, she's not anywhere near where she wants to be still. But it's been a really slow process of building a following. You know, social media is really important. Playing these small stages at festivals. Um, supporting artists all over the country and you know losing money at left right and center just to get in front of new audiences um and then be at the point like last year where we're getting better time slots on festivals you know just before the americans or if not in the middle of them all or um and then putting on our own tour which i think that's the point you want to get to when you can put your own tour on and sell tickets and the money's yours, you know, rather than going supporting that, supporting people for 50 quid. Mm. And I think the only way it's sustainable is if artists can tour and, and sell tickets because that's where the money is. And there's no money in Spotify and, and all that stuff anymore, is there? So, and I think for festival organizers as well, you've got to be able to, like, obviously, like yourself, you've got to be able to, as an artist you're trying to sell, you've got to say, well, you know, they can sell this many tickets on their tour so people are going to buy tickets to come to Mm -hmm. your festival whereas i think a lot of it um a lot of uk country music struggles because you just really don't know how how it sells do you know what i mean you know you know if you book you know a big american like you had lauren elena on you know that's going to sell tickets but it's going to cost a lot of money um so it's that fine balance i think in it of having I mean, I don't even really know how we got on how I got on this subject. So I think I've got, gone off a tangent, but well, no. I mean, but, to be honest, these are all questions I was going to ask you later anyway. And right. actually, I was going to ask about festivals and whether there are opportunities for country artists at non-country specific festivals. You know, even if they are obviously the smaller stages, is is that a thing, or is it becoming more of a thing? Or as soon as you say oh, I'm a country artist or pop country or whatever, do you kind of feel they turn their nose up slightly and go for somebody mm. different? How how does that scene work at the moment? Well, 
in my experience, I mean, I haven't tried the last couple of years, obviously, because we've had, we've been in a pandemic and no festivals have been happening. But in my in before then, yeah, I think I think it's really tough to get on if you just if you say that you play country music because mm. because everyone at the festival say uh, barn on the farm or whatever, you know, it's kind of like a middle of the road festival like that who's going to have like catfish and the bottle men on or whatever they're going to have anyone that no one's ever heard of is usually going to be like an indie band Mm. because that's kind of accepted by everyone if you know what I mean like if I think a lot of these type of festivals don't like risking whether they like your music or not I think it's got to be something that they think that their patrons will uh well, most of them will like, I think. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I can kind of understand it um, from their point of view because they don't need to have a country artist on their festival at all, I think the problem is they don't understand what country music is nowadays. And they, mm. you know, so many people still hark back to the country and Western. They think it's all bluegrass and line dancing and what have yeah. you, which there's a place for that, but that's not um, representing actually what the majority of commercial country music is nowadays and I know I saw um two ways home they played at foodies festival in Chelmsford last year and I went along to to watch them and I felt so sorry for them it was absolutely torrential rain it was just hideous and I mean you were drenched through within about three seconds of getting out of the car mm. and so I went up and they just started their set I think they might have sung one song before I arrived and there was nobody around. However, by the end of their set, they had this whole crowd standing there watching them. There were older people, there were kids, there were, you know, families. And it was so lovely that these people were all standing there in the peeing rain to watch them because they liked the music. And obviously they're, they're very engaging. They're very positive mm-hmm. and, and upbeat. And that, to me, a lot of country music is, is that. But if you'd said to any one of those people before they'd gone, oh, there's a country there's a country band playing. Will you go and watch it? You know, I'm not sure they would have been so keen, but actually having yeah. heard the music, they were very, very keen on it. Um, yeah. So I think that's, it's a, it's difficult to, to get the message across without getting them in. So it's, it is a catch 22 situation, isn't it? Because you yes. can't sell the music if they haven't heard the music and they won't hear them. They don't want to listen to the music until they've heard it. Yeah, it's absolutely that. And, um, you know, it's, I think anyone who likes country music, obviously you get it. But if you don't, if you, if you don't know about country music and what it is now, it takes a long time to explain it to someone, Mm. you know, oh, it's not just drop the Western bit, you know, oh, you play country and Western. I get it all the time with people that I know that don't really know what I do. And, um, Oh, you play country. Where's your cowboy? And it's like, well, you know, there is that, and there is Western music. It's still, but um, that's not what I do, and that's not what most of country, well, commercial country music certainly isn't Western, is it? But um, there still is that massive stigma in the UK about it, and mm-hmm. and you know, even if you, I'm sure you've been to like the northern states of America, they still they're still like that. Mm. You know, they think country music's ridiculous as well. Yeah. Um, and it's a you know yeehaw southern thing to do, which, which I, I mean I get I get it because that's what's that's how the TV's portrayed it all the, all those years. But um, you know it's really it's really tough to drill it into people, um, what it is now if you know what I mean without them seeing it for themselves. And like you yeah. say, there's really no point in mentioning that you're a country artist if you're not playing at a country gig. Yeah, because it doesn't get you anywhere, and it probably would would be a detriment because like you say, if you just play music, they wouldn't know it was country music anyway. I say that to loads of people, you know, if I played you, what I listened to, you wouldn't even know that it was country music. Yeah. You wouldn't tell me that it was country music. Yeah. Um, So it's, it's a strange one. And I don't, I don't really know how to, um, to change it apart from just keep plugging away and, you know, it's slowly, slow, it's slowly growing. Um, and if you look back to, like I say, about eight years ago, there was nothing. Mm. And now there's all this. So, you know, that, is it, I, it's got to be it's got to be getting somewhere. Is it 
different in different geographical parts of the UK um, from your point of view? You know, are some areas very much more forward than others um, in how they look at country music and approach country music and their sort of how open they are to um, it? I, I don't know about that. I don't, I don't know about the general public um, perception of country music geographically. Geographically, all I really do know is kind of where the hot spots for country music are, if you know what I mean. But I don't know if that really reflects on the general public's um, view of country music. I'm not really sure. Yeah. Uh, I can't think of a. I mean, I'd definitely say the more like Scot Scotland and, and Ireland are, are definitely more susceptible to country music in general. Um, you know, Ireland especially. Uh, they don't bat an eyelid at country music at all, you know. And they well, don't I think take... it's very Celtic, isn't it? And yeah. the, and that's where yeah. the the roots were, and obviously they're big in their folk music and what have you. And there's yeah. such a crossover with and the roots music and everything. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but their their country music's very Irish though, still. Yeah. But, um, you know, like Nathan Carter and Derek Ryan and people like that, they're playing what the Irish consider country music. Mm which again is different to what we would say UK country music is and American country music. It's its own genre, but they just call it country music, yeah. um, which is that, but that's their, that's their version of it. And, um, and like I say, Scotland, Glasgow, especially I'd say um, they love their country music there. But I think the problem is with Scotland, the problem is that the Scots have, which is a problem for them, not us, I suppose. Um most of the gigs are in Glasgow. So, you know, I say Glasgow is a great area for country music, but there's people traveling there from the whole rest of the country. So um, Scotland in general, though, is a good place for country music, yeah. for sure. Um, like when we do Nashville Live UK tours, we will literally just do most of it in Scotland. Hmm. Well, at least half of it in Scotland and then just sporadic dates around the hotspots in the UK. About so it. tell us about Nashville Live you know where did the where did the idea come from who's in it what what does it entail so one of my I, like i told you earlier i used to um playing different theater shows like touring kind of tribute variety shows kind of like and one of them was an elvis show and i met this the there was bass player in the in the band then i think he was actually just depping and uh it was called dean and a few years later, we'd both stopped doing that gig. I was only deafing actually in that gig as well. And um, we, he rang me up randomly, literally years later, not spoke to him for ages, lived miles away from me. And he said, oh, uh, I'm a theatre promoter now, you know. I said, oh, no, I've seen him on Facebook. He's, he, he started a Simon and Garfunkel show, which is really successful. And they've got like multiple casts all over the world um touring on different continents really successful and uh, he said i've got some investors some of my scottish investors want to put on want me to do a country show a country production and he said i don't know anything about it uh, i know you've done country theater shows and let's do you want to do it together so i was like yeah man i'm ready for another because at the time my parents show had kind of just stopped touring because they retired um, and they didn't leave it to me, which is another point. Point of contention. <laughs> but, <laughs> I hope they're listening. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was, I was ready, I was ready to do something new, um, and kind of, I got a blank canvas. He, he just said I kind of want it to be. He'd been to Nashville, and he said he really loved the Grand Ole Opry. So, um. He said, I, I, I want it to be like how they do it with, uh, with like the live radio feel, you know? So we have like a big on-air sign and at the start of the show, we, we, we kind of, it kind of feels like we're going on air, you know, rather than doing a live performance, which obviously we are, but we make it known all the way through that it's kind of on the radio and we do like live radio jingles, you know, just acapella and there are old things that we found on YouTube that are, that were all actual jingles um, back in the kind of forties, fifties, but we, but, the, but it's kind of, it's based on what I know from what I know works in theater 
uh, country music wise, you know, so you've got to do Patsy Cline, Tammy Wynette, and uh, yeah, and then and a bit later, well, and, and Willie Nelson, and and then a bit later on Dolly and Kenny, and and all that stuff. Um, and I've learned what works and what doesn't, and I kind of put my version of my parents' show together. With a little, there's a little bluegrass section in there where we all stand at the front on acoustic instruments, which is which I re- always wanted to do. Yeah. So I put that in for my own vanity. I think, Why the really. hell not? But it, but it, <laughs> but it works. You know, it, it really does. And I th- and um, and Dean's just really good at selling shows, and he's a good director. He directed it uh, up until recently when he kind of gave me the reins. Um, and because he, he's just he's got a really good eye for what theatre should look like as well. So from that from from the he's got the, a good angle from the front, and I've got a good angle from the from the stage, you know. And that together made what I think is a really cool show, um, which you should come and see. Absolutely, sign me up. Um, Critical yeah, that is it. obviously not to, <laughs> not to actually play. Yeah. Oh yeah, and pe- the people who are in it, we kind of went for because Dean knows loads of West End people because he's been in a few West End things himself. He was, he was Buddy in the in Buddy the Musical. Was it called Buddy the Musical? Um, so we always used, at the very start, uh, West End actors as the front. We have four people up front and mm. four in the band. Um, so we have, like, two, two female singers. One's a fiddle player as well, really good fiddle player, um, and two males. So one of the males is, like, an announcer... You know, if you ever go to the opera, there's an announcer, yeah. but he doesn't sing. But ours, ours, ours does sing because we have to look, utilize the fact that he's there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we so we thought we'll have two guys, two girls, um, all West. So because so, there's a lot of lines in it, and you know, it's it makes more sense if the actor muso rather than a, a muso who can busk a few lines because it you know you kind of really get the feel that it's a show then. Uh, and not a gig. If you know I think there is a, a there is a distinct crossover, anyway, isn't there, between West End music and country music because of the storytelling aspect. And there's a lot mm-hmm. of people who've started out on the West End who are now branching into country music. Yeah, absolutely. Well. Um, yeah, as you know, uh, Tim Proty Jones was was, uh, was on the West End, and I think most of, if not all, of the one rest of the Wandering Arts were, weren't they? And a couple of Remember oh, Monday. Yeah, all, uh, all three of Remember Monday. Yeah, because so. we've we've got a lot of mu- mutual friends that I wouldn't know would be mutual friends. You know, yeah. my theatre people, you know, know country music artists. I'm like, how? Oh yeah. well, they were in they were in such a thing with us, and yeah, yeah there's quite a few. Um, but like you say, it does make sense because there's a there is a lot of crossover. And one about one of the guys that we got, we only got him. Well, not only, but the main reason we got him is because he was Johnny Cash in the Million Dollar Quartet musical okay and he's amazing at johnny cash uh but he's great he's called robbie he's scottish um and i think he still is in that musical when it tours uh but yeah so he he was really good and then i was oh lisa Wright, that she was the first girl that we got in uh because i already knew her and she was in a few different musicals but at the same time uh as she was doing uk country music stuff and, uh, Good old Essex in. girl there, I think. There you go, yeah. Um, she was awesome. And uh, But we, what we do is we just kind of, we don't try to keep it fresh by changing people out. But if someone can't do a tour for any reason, then we just replace you. Um, oh, harsh. Well, <laughs> I think I think it makes more sense than, than depping, depping it out because you really don't get the sense of... Um, I don't know. It's different. I've always worked in shows where you have your main people and then you have depths come in and out when when needed. But I've, I've never done it this way. It's Dean's way of doing it. He does it in all his shows. And I think it makes sense because it makes people really want to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and if, you, if you're in, you're in. If you're not, you're not. And it's kind of that team mentality. Do you know what I mean? If you... And and it can we can literally change people every tour. It does happen, you know. Some we just had a keys player come in for the Switzerland tour, and then he's not doing the next one. So I've got to, makes my job really hard. But at least I'm not worrying about depths coming in and out. Yeah, and, absolutely. And I, 
uh, we get rehearsals, you know, for the for the tour with anyone who's new. So it, I think it actually works all right, but it is pretty brutal. But we do get people back in. There's a couple that have. Well, there's Robbie. He didn't. He left after a year or two. We went and did Australia. I think he he missed it because uh, he had to do something else. So we replaced him, and he he still wasn't in the show until after COVID because the guy we replaced him with got another, a different job and, and we asked Robbie to come back and he was up for it. So, you know, we're not, we're not uh, opposed to getting people back in, but only if that job becomes free again. Do you know what I yeah. Mean? yeah. 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 <laughs> I like absolutely. It. And so do you get involved? Obviously that's kind of, they're all cover, cover songs, aren't they? In yeah. Nashville live, but do you get involved in songwriting and stuff yourself? Um, or is that an aspect of musicianship that you sort of don't delve too far into? No, I did. Um, yeah, I used to do loads of writing with any with most of the people that I work with. Mm. Um, but I've never fully. I don't know. I never. I've, I've never thought it was really my bag. Um, I think I'm far too critical of of everything to be a songwriter. <laughs> <laughs> because it's you're never gonna find you're never gonna think any any song's perfect so um so I really struggle with that uh, although I, I think I think I've, I've I've been involved in writing some good songs but but I but I still don't think they're that good you know yeah. so which would um, be the best one well I'd say probably Storm Chaser Jade Halliwell yeah uh, co-wrote that um well, that's won awards, got loads of streams on Spotify. Yeah. And it's pretty, don't get me wrong, it's pretty cool. Um, but for me, I'd rather put my energy into something that's going to, I don't know, I, I think I prefer earning money uh, than writing music. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, fair enough. Um, fair but, enough. But, but at the same time, I also think there's people far more qualified to do that than I am. And I'd rather stick to stuff that I that I'm qualified good at. to do. Well, that yeah. I think I'm good at. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Rather yeah. than going around trying to write songs that that I don't think I'm good at. Yeah. So I think I think that's why I don't anymore. I haven't written. I think that was the last song that I was involved in. Um, but before that, I'd written a few. I've, I've written a few with Jade before that. Um, I think Drive was one. Uh, I can't remember repeat yeah. was one but um and also i was in a duo with my ex-girlfriend years ago when i met gary quinn and we wrote music together that didn't work out very well <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think i'm gonna ask who it was or what songs they were um we'll, i don't think you'd know you wouldn't know we'll leave that mm. um so of course that brings us to nashville um and your experiences in Nashville. Obviously, you put together your Nashville Live. What about at your Nashville? When did you first go there? What were your sort of first impressions? Did it live up to your expectations? Uh, or had you been there like with your parents when you were when you were small? <laughs> yeah. Um, I haven't been there with my parents when I was small, but the first time I ever did go there was for my 24. It was for my 21st birthday, but I was nowhere near 21 yet. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, my parents had been going for a few years. And I always just thought, what is the point if I can't drink? Because, I'm, you know, in the UK we drink, and over there you can't until you're 21. Anyway, but uh, so they'd been going for years. And, they, you know, they always just classed it as research for the company. A work um, trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, work trip. You probably do the same. Uh, yeah, and... Um, so they they said they'd take me for my 21st. So we went and we just, and in them days, I mean, it's only 12 years ago, but Broadway was such a different place. I don't know if, don't know if when the last, the first time you went was, but um, yeah, when was, I, uh, was yeah, it? 2017 maybe? Right. So this was probably like 2007 or eight. Mm. Uh, oh no, 2009 maybe. But um. But yeah, it's it it was actually really cool and all the music was great and all the bands were great and it was just like mecca for us, you know. You you'd you'd sit there and as a guitar player, you'd sit there and go, 
shit, everybody, oh, sorry, I swear. Uh, everybody in this town is really, really good, you know, and much better than I am. So I need to get, I need to up my game. And, and then we'd go back. I've been a few times and, and, you know, for a few years, it was great. I really enjoyed Broadway and not doing business while I'm there. But then I kind of got to know more people who've toured over here that I'd worked with, like uh, American Young, John, John Stone, uh, Lewis Bryce, people like that. Obviously, William Michael Morgan. Um, and when I go over there now, I never go to Broadway because it's full of pop music and rub. It's just full of hem parties and stag yeah. dudes. It, yeah. it was never, it was never like that. Honestly, it was, it was so good. And now all the bands aren't great. And in my eyes, I just don't think the music's as good. And a lot of it's not even country music. Um, but yeah, so I, when I go there now, I just uh, I go to the places where like my mates who live there drink. And so where would those places be? Can you lift the lid <laughs> on the sort of secret? Yeah, I mean they're not secret. It's, it's, it's not a secret. But my advice, if you're if you're not an annoying fan, and you can actually just sit there and go, oh look, there's such a body, and there's and <laughs> basically you're not if you're going to talk through a gig, you're not allowed to go to these places. Well, no, not 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 if you're going to talk through a gig. I mean, like, uh, so say you go to. Um, a, a place I go to a lot when I'm there is the, called the Doghouse, which is up near Tin Roof, right? And and the Tin Roof as well, and that's kind of where all your writers and your and and your artists go to drink. And then yeah. like winners and losers, probably more losers than winners. Uh, but you will see people that are famous there, and you which you probably won't as much on Broadway. Yeah. Um, but it's pretty normal up there, like you know. Um, they just, it's just like us going for a beer, isn't it? After work, that's where they all work up near upon Music Row. So that those are the places that I'd go if if I'm going for a drink when I'm there, because that's where John will be. That's where you know anybody who I'm meeting up with would usually be drinking up up that end. And it's it's much better. You don't get many tourists, and it's you know it's just more authentic, I think. And um, I mean, country music in general isn't. Uh, I don't, don't really know how to describe this, but when I first started listening to country music, it was really traditional for what you would see, what would what you would say is traditional now, mm. and it's changed a lot, hasn't it? Um, you know, people. I mean, I were, I used to wear a cowboy hat, but now I'll wear a snapback. Yeah, not because of country music, but I just think that's how I want to look now, rather than you wear. You can put a your initials on the front. <laughs> No, I don't know if I'm going to do that anymore. I've, I've seen a few pictures where I think that looks stupid, <laughs> but uh, I've just broke my American Young one as well. It actually broke off my head. Um, I know how does that work? I don't know what that says about your head. I know. I know I'll show you. I know you can't see this at home, but <laughs> so for all listeners, Luke is now showing me the broken the broken this cap. This has never happened to He's me. He's really. actually burst out of the cap. I've, my head's burst out of the hat. <laughs> if anyone's ever seen what my head looks like, you'd understand. It's large. So but yeah, sorry. Yeah, I got on a tangent again. There, <laughs> so going back to to Nashville, where would you? So that's where you'd sort of go and have a have a beer and what have you after you've been working. What about food? Do you have somewhere particular that you love to go and you always make sure you go back there? You know, uh, out there. There's a couple of places, yeah. If like, there's loads of Nashville hot chicken places, which I'm a fan of. Um, Hattie B's, I think, is the one in it. Yeah. And then I really enjoy Taco Mamacita. Have you ever been there? No. It's kind of it. Do you know? It's I think it's in Edge Hill, which is the opposite end of uh, Music Row. So you know where the tin roof is. If you went all the way down Music Row from there to the other end, which there's nothing there really. Yeah. There's this um there's this bar called Taco Mamacita on the corner with a really cool beer garden. And they sell like iced margaritas and it's so good. And then obviously loads of Mexican food. But that's that's a cool place if you ever go there again, which I'm sure you will. I will. Well, I hope I will anyway. <laughs> we'll and, go together. Um, 
Well, yeah, definitely. I'm up for all trips to Nashville. Um, <laughs> what about elsewhere in Tennessee? Do you, when you go over there, because you're working nowadays, do you generally tend to stay in Nashville or do you kind of spread your wings and go exploring a bit? Well, actually, ever since, before I ever went to Nashville, I already knew someone who lived uh, in a place called Murfreesboro, which is about half an hour out of town. Yeah. Well, it gets longer and longer that every time I go because traffic gets worse and worse. Yeah. But um, he, uh, when I was younger, I played lacrosse and he was a coach that came over. That's very to... niche. I don't think I'd I ever know. have had you down as a lacrosse player. Well, lacrosse is big in Manchester. Which I know, I know it. Nobody knows. Like if the England lacrosse team is basically all Manx and some Americans that can somehow put their lineage to England. But um, yeah, it's a big, most lacrosse teams in the UK, I'd say are in Manchester. It's weird. Anyway, wow. it's not weird where I'm from. That is not a fact I expected to hear today. I know. I'm, I'm that gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> you are. Uh, yeah, so this, so they used to have this pro- program called uh, what did they call it? Lacrosse development officers, and basically, like kids that left college, lacrosse players in America who left college, they could come and work for a local council in England or in Manchester to um, work with a lacrosse club and coach their kids, but also coach in primary schools, and they'd pay them and they'd you know house them and whatever. Um, and then they'd go home after the season and then they'd, and they'd have all these experiences of Europe and England and whatever. And uh, one of the guys that we had was from Murfreesboro and we stayed in contact and we're still good friends to this day. My mum and dad go and see him more than I do probably. But um, he's got a lake house on uh, Centre Hill Lake as well, which is about an hour, an hour and a half-ish um, away from Nashville. So, when we go there, we literally spend half our time with him away mm. from Nashville and half our time in town. Because for me, on if I go for two weeks, it actually gets a bit much, you know, after mm. I'm not a city type of person anyway. So I like to kind of go in town, go it just go into town if there's something on that I want or you know, or Jade's usually got some rights booked in and meetings and stuff. So we'll go in for that, but we don't usually stay in town, weirdly. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. No, I've got um, I've got a mate who I stay with. That's the answer. Happy days. I think we all need to find one of those so we can all have more holidays to Nashville without <laughs> yeah. it absolutely well, destroying our to, bank balances. I was talking to Kezia and uh, Kezia Gill and Lloyd, her husband, a few weeks ago about this because we were planning a trip together, um, and they were saying how much accommodation is, and I didn't even know because <laughs> I'd never. I'd never actually booked it, and it it was uh, it was shocking. I don't think I could actually afford to go to Nashville for to do that. Yeah, it is uh, fairly eye watering, but there we go. We shall move on. So, kind of to to start to wrap up, and this might be opening a can of worms by asking this question towards the end of the podcast. But what mm. do you think the biggest issues are facing the country music industry at the moment? I guess probably UK based rather than worldwide do you think is the lack of venues prepared to put country music on or the lack of opportunities at big festivals mm. the lack of income from streaming what do you think the the biggest I don't issues think we are? can do anything about streaming uh it's the same for everybody in it really um i actually think the, a really important thing that there's more and more of as time goes on is local promoters who are willing to put some work in and build up a bit of a find, you know, find the local people who like country music and put gigs on for them. Mm. Um, you know, you're one of them, obviously, where you do, the, you do the stuff at Hotbox in Yeah. don't you? Uh, obviously as well as your festival. But I mean, these smaller things where the only thing stopping people earning money out of country music is there is there's not enough gigs you know, and there's not enough tickets being sold. So I've found when I'm booking tours is if I, if I put all the shows on, if I book all the venues and I try and promote them all, it's just too much. And I don't mm. know all the areas and I'd rather put a show on in Manchester and maybe somewhere else 
you know, Leeds, whatever, and know the area. And I'll do that. And then I'll book other promoters to, 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 um, in, in other areas, you know, like I've got one in Hull, obviously you're in Essex. Um, I like to work with Gavin Chittick in Scotland and, you know, I think if there's more of those, I think there needs to be a couple in, in the Midlands, maybe one or two in, uh, in Norfolk and then the South, the Southwest is really, really kind of sparse. Um, so I think if we get more people involved in the promoting of country music, live country music around the UK, mm. we will see artists then being rewarded for it more. Well, I think so, because I think that's that's my plan anyway. If we can get people involved, if not get people involved, but find these promoters that are willing to put country music on, mm. they'll already be promoters, I'm sure. Um like um, Martin, uh, he's in Hull. He's got a company called Screaming Tarts Presents, but it's it's the person who puts on Cottingham Folk Festival. So he has right. a lot of <clears throat> country artists on there. I think the Shires have been there. Jade's been there. Jess and the Bandits. Uh, you know, stuff like He always has on his Cottingham Folk Festival a country gig, you know, and he'll have a lineup of UK country artists. Yeah. So if he's going to do it and his company's called Screaming Tarts, whatever, <laughs> then I'm sure there's more promoters around the UK that that are, that are, that are willing to are open do to... it. And I yeah, and I think that's the way it works because they know their market. Um, they know, <clears throat> yeah, they just just they just they just know the deal better than us as bookers. Um, no, I think that at a grassroots level, you know what I yeah. mean. Obviously. Once you get to kind of the SJM level of touring, then they just know all the markets because they've got offices all over and whatever, and they own most of the venues. So I think I honestly think the live music side of it growing is is the only way. Yeah, it's going to grow in general because I think we've got, you know, we've got a couple of DAB radio stations which a lot of people listen to. They're probably not promoted as well as. Uh, we'd all want them to be, but that's just, obviously that's just finances, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I think obviously there's, there's, there's festivals like yourselves popping up fairly regularly and, and, and having successful events, which is great because I think throughout the summer now you can kind of go to a couple of months, mm. um, which, and and I also don't think that, that it's too saturated either because, they're pretty spread out, aren't they? Pretty yeah, I think geographically, you're kind. Of, I think you can probably sort of tick tick a box for most different areas, but not probably more than one box in each area. No, exactly, and that's um, good. Which that's is really good. good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, and I, I, I was going to say this earlier as well. Um, well, but while we're on the the the. Um, subjects of UK country growing I've really enjoyed the fact that since I first started in it the standard like the bar as it were has just been raised so high and what's acceptable and what isn't is so much so different now yeah which I think that's why I've seen so many artists come and go um because you have to be really good. And I think in other genres, you can get away with it a bit more. But in in the UK country genre, I think the bar is just set really high now. And um, and that's great. That's really good. Because when, when we do um, have the opportunity to get people who don't know anything about country music to watch us, you know, like you say, if you're playing at a, a mainstream festival or whatever, or someone hears you on a Spotify playlist, then... If it sits with what their standard of good music is, mm. then you know that's the only way where you win them over. So I think it's promising. There's lots of great UK country artists now to choose from. Um, a nice wide range. We'd still need more good men, males involved. I think it's the opposite. We all need more good men, Lee. <laughs> I think we have the opposite problem of the US, don't we? Where yeah, we I, absolutely. A lots of great female artists. And not enough great male artists, in my opinion. 
So who would be, this is kind of bringing us nicely actually onto the questions I always ask to sort of round off the, the podcast. Who would be your best UK artist recommendation to watch? You know, somebody, obviously you're not allowed to say Jade. So <laughs> it's somebody who's a little bit underexposed that perhaps wouldn't have um, sort of hit the hit the mainstream yet and hit most of the audiences in the in the UK but you've heard them and you think they're really special mm, that's that's probably the hardest question you've asked because obviously I'm involved with a lot of artists I wouldn't mention any of them um, but there's also loads of great new artists that I've found I think I honestly think that Kevin Maguire is really underrated I mm-hmm. think he doesn't get on enough good festival slots and yeah radio plays and whatever. I mean, he still does get his fair few, but I, I honestly think he's better than everyone thinks. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, or better than what his CV says, anyway. Um, he's great. And But then, like, what I've seen recently, I bumped into um, Matt Hodges. He's actually from Yorkshire. He doesn't live that far away from us, Um I saw him on a writer's round gig a few months ago and I instantly booked him for Country on the Clyde because I thought his voice was just so great. Like, we I've, I've heard really good things about him. I've yeah. not heard him, I've seen him myself. You've yeah. seen him and you think he's great. I thought, yeah, I think so. I think he's got uh, something a bit different. Yeah, definitely. He's, he's a big guy with a deep voice, you know, and I think that's one thing we're lacking. Yes. I, you know, at the moment, I, I like, I like, seeing a bit of variety you know we've got in the female section we've got a lot of variety and yeah in the male section not as much in my yeah. opinion no I agree and what about your best US artist to watch again maybe a bit underrated oh god well you know what uh actually this is a good one I don't know if she's underrated or not but Jade has got me into the new Tennille Arts album yeah it's it's mega it Every song mega. on it is banging. Um, it is mega. And I didn't used to be into kind of your, your female poppy country um, yeah. what, before I met Jade, but because she just listens to all of it, I've really got into it. You know, I'm a massive yeah. fan of like Mara Morris and Kelsey Ballerini, and I really liked Carly Pierce's album. Oh, that was brilliant. Um, and yeah, and, and this one by Tanya Lartz is, is great. Her, I think we're going to see way more of her. Her old one, her old album, um, love something love life and everything called. in between or something it's absolutely yeah. brilliant as well um but i'm a yeah. big fan of this new new well, album before as well. then i'd only really ever heard two like two songs off that album that yeah were kind of a single yeah. but this one is just all great songs anyway, yeah. um US. and final question what would be your go-to road trip song oh god oh a song, my favourite song. Well, I don't know if it's my favourite song, but a song that never fails to get me in a good mood is, uh, and another band that I'm, I, I love, Brothers Osborne. Um, and their last album is a song called All Night. Have you heard yeah. it? No. You've not heard it? No. Oh, my God. Listen to Skeletons by Brothers Osborne. It's the, the latest album. Yeah. And it's just a groove. I just It just makes you feel good. And I think you'll agree. There you go. And, I'll and listen to it when I'm going to go and agree. do the horses. Yeah. So, Luke, thank you so much for joining me and waffling away with me about the music <laughs> industry. I just, I think it's really interesting for people who aren't involved mm. to to hear what goes on behind the scenes. Basically, I've just enjoyed having a chat with someone who uh, is on the same. Well, I've not spoke to anyone for a while. (laughs) If my uh, recording would allow, we could have gone on for another hour. But um, there we go. There we go. Um, So, no, thank you very much. And, uh, yeah, we look forward to seeing you back down here in Essex in the not-too-distant future. Thanks for having me. So in our standard post-production edits, Luke has recommended heading down to the Dog House or the Tin Roof or Winners and Losers in Nashville and for food to head to Hattie Bee's for hot chicken or Taco Mamacita for tacos, of course. (laughs) 
You have been listening to the Tales of Tennessee podcast with me, Georgie T. You can keep up to date with the podcast by following us at talesoftennessee.podbean.com or by following all of our social media channels for the Tennessee Fields Festival. The handle is at TN Fields Fest on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. You can also follow me, Georgie T, on Instagram at the underscore accidental underscore everything. We'd love to hear from you. So don't forget, you can email us at talesoftennessee at yahoo.com. And as always, thanks go to Francis and Archie Ween for providing the jingles for this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Sitting on the porch with Georgie T. Here in Tales of Tennessee.